up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios, and I do have D-Boy alongside me again today. What's going on, D-Boy? What's up, man? What we talking about, Caddy? Ooh-wee! We got a lot on the docket. We have a whole lot on the docket, obviously. A lot of y'all know about what's going on with the Kaepernick front. You actually released a new album on streaming platforms on all DSPs this past weekend. Finally, finally. Finally, finally. Yeah, We've yeah. talked about your hard copies and all that, but now uh, it's officially out and available on all DSPs. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you a bit about that project. Um, definitely got a few other things on the docket as well. But before we dig into the several topics that we have on hand today, um, I got a few different announcements to make because, uh, you know, we're busy bodies and it's a lot going on right now. And I'm actually very grateful for that. But um, for starters, this coming Wednesday, uh, which is a couple days from now, right now we're recording on a Monday night. So this coming Wednesday, that would be the 20th. Um, the Bridgetown battle is happening, baby. The okay, Bridgetown okay. battle. Obviously, many of you know that. Um, I am a color analyst for Portland State University's television broadcast, and we have the Battle of the Portland Schools. You got Portland State playing against the University of Portland, big crosstown rivalry game. Um, Anybody here in Portland, I'd advise you to come out. You have two local fan bases that'll come together for bragging rights, ultimately. And it's always a good crowd that comes to these games. Um, This will be actually my first time being on the call for this particular game. But um, it's a lot of marketing going on around this game right now. Like I said, it's it's known as the Bridgetown Battle. It's a 7 o'clock tip-off, and the city will be out in full force to see who is the best Division I basketball team here in the city of Portland. So, obviously, I'm rolling with the Vikes. It's at Viking Pavilion, by the way. It is not at the Child Center where the University of Portland plays at. It will be in the park blocks in downtown Portland at the Viking Pavilion. But, yeah, I I just advise y'all all all to come out, enjoy some good basketball, come say hello. I'll be right at the scorer's table on the call, talking my talk, doing what I do best. And, yeah, I would like for you all to come out there for that. Um, Another announcement. This coming Thursday, the 21st, uh, this Thursday, the 21st, There will be um, at City Hall, Portland Street Response. I've talked to you all about Portland Street Response for a long time. And the mayors and commissioners will receive a 90-minute report detailing the work and the progress that has gone into developing Portland Street Response. Once that report is shown, um, City Council will vote. And if Portland Street Response is accepted by way of the report and recommendations made by the community, Um, the Portland street response pilot could hit the ground running as soon as January. Now, this is very, very, very big news. Like I said, I've been kind of keeping you all posted along the way 
as far as what Portland Street Response has been all about, um, where we've been throughout the process of, you know, back when we wrote the article in uh, Emily Green wrote the article in Street Roots newspaper to the mayor allotting a half a million dollars to the budget um, for next year in regards to Portland Street Response to the surveys that were led by our Street Roots vendors. I, I am the vendor program manager at Street Roots, so something that I've been most proud of in regards to this process is our vendors and going out and leading the charge and surveying other homeless people that would like to see other first responders other than the police to be able to come out and help with them and deal with them during crises. Um, all the way through the last couple weeks ago, we had the Portland Street Response Logo Contest. Now is the moment in time where we need the full support of the community to come out to City Hall. Um, unfortunately, I will not be there this Thursday because I'll be going to Las Vegas this week. But I, D-Boy, you then. too. Yeah, Turn I'm up. going to Las Vegas this week. I'm, I'm going to have a little fun in Las Vegas this week. Um, and the trip's been planned for, for quite some time. So, um, unfortunately, I won't be there. But my presence will still be there because a part of that 90-minute report and presentation, Portland Fire, who will actually... Um, help be kind of the overseers of this particular pilot and being first responders to these crises. They came by the street routes and they did a video where myself and Kaya Sands spoke about Portland Street Response and basically talked about why Portland Street Response is important, talked about why the work that we've done is so important, and that will be presented in City Hall this week as a part of that 90-minute report um, to really just try and convince City Hall that this thing needs to happen. Um, Commissioner Joanne Hardesty said something that was very key and very crucial a couple days ago. There was a press conference for local businesses that supported Portland Street Response because obviously you have these local businesses, you have a lot of these homeless people that are in the area that are in front or around these businesses quite often. And these local businesses, especially these business owners, see these these certain crises that take place. They see a lot of people getting arrested because it's happening in these public spaces. And what Commissioner Hardesty mentioned in that press conference was that this will be the first time that the city of Portland will have a different first response group or first response plan outside of the police since the early 1900s. The first time. Long we, time. That's a long time. We always talk about, um, you know, kind of the battle between the police and people of color, the battle between the police and people who are unhoused and how we really kind of get triggered and are traumatized by the police. And that's not to say that the police isn't needed, but that is to say that the community and police relationship is not strong. And we need to find some kind of middle ground to change that to where both sides could be appeased because the police need just as much assistance in a lot of these cases as people in the community do. I think the community comes first because that's the side of the deal that lacks power. The police can actually kind of enforce and in a lot of cases abuse their power. So I, I would put the community on a higher pedestal as regard to who needs this kind of different first response plan when it comes to the homeless community. But nonetheless, the police need it too. I want to jump in and ask you a question real quick. Yeah. It's kind of on topic, but kind of off topic. But I've noticed for the last few events that I've been to of yours, and even on this podcast, um, you, you kind of, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but you stick away from saying homeless. Is it a particular reason why I've noticed you said like 
houseless before. I've noticed you just said something else too. That it wasn't you said the unhoused, but unhoused, is, that, yeah. is that on purpose? And if so, is it something that you probably learned through working directly, or is that like word frowned upon, or is it just something I just picked up on that? Um, it is, could definitely be frowned upon. I think one thing in particular in regard to our newspaper, um, because we have people who are homeless or unhoused that sell the newspaper, Street Roots has gotten this stigma that we don't really like as kind of the homeless newspaper. Um, and we talk about a lot more than just homelessness, but especially through the vendor program, which I manage, we do a lot of advocacy for the homeless. And yes, we do advocate for the homeless by way of our newspaper as well, but we're a lot more than that. We're a lot more in depth than that. And I think we have the following now that we do have because of kind of the nuance that our newspaper and our organization represents. We're not all about homeless folks. We're about justice, speaking truth to power, equality, things of that sort. And we think that those particular aspects and characteristics can help kind of navigate and change and buck the system that is leading people to become homeless. So um, I guess it's just something that I try to stay away from and using the word homeless. I'd rather use the word unhoused because homeless can be triggering. And because, like I said, we've had this negative stigma around our newspaper as being a homeless newspaper. But we are a lot more um, in depth than just that. And I think that the following, the difference that we've been able to make in the community, even something such as Portland Street Response speaks to the fact that we are a little bit more deep than just homeless, but it's nothing. I mean, it, it's not that it's offensive to say homeless, but I just prefer gotcha. to use the, the term unhoused. It was just something I thought I noticed. So. Yeah, for sure. But like I said, just come out city hall two o'clock. Um, it'll be a celebration afterwards because we do, we are pretty confident that, uh, city council will approve the pilot, um, going into next year. And like I said, it's just very important stuff. And like I said, we, t we know about police community relationships and, we need people to come out in numbers to really support this thing. Um, another announcement. So uh, the last time that I was here, I talked about me DJing at this super upscale high-end rooftop bar. Um, and it's safe to say that I've had a little bit of success doing so. I did my first gig. Um, the rooftop bar is called Export Bar and Lounge, by the way. It's at the Porter Hotel, which is this Really nice five-star hotel in downtown Portland. You go into the hotel, you take the elevator up to the 16th floor, and there's this beautiful rooftop bar that I've been attempting to DJ at since Derby Day. So since the spring of this year, um, I got my first crack at it on November 1st. That was successful. The very next morning, general manager reaches out to me and asks if I can come back on November 16th, which was this past weekend. That worked out. So now I'll be DJing December 3rd, which is a Tuesday night, but every first Tuesday of the month, Export has what's, what is called Industry Night. Now, I'll be completely honest with y'all. I didn't know what the hell Industry Night meant. It's so broad. It could be a lot of different <laughs> it's, things. It's so broad. It could be a lot of different things. But now that I, I know it's, a, it's actually a terminology used kind of in the bar and lounge culture, um for folks that are in the service industry. So if you're a server, if you're a bartender, if you're a club host, you work in a nightclub scene, things of that sort. 
and basically have like an OLCC food handlers card, then you get to come here on industry night. The drinks are discounted. They have a special guest mixologist who makes phenomenal drinks and is they usually bring the more popular mixologists in the city out to make these special cocktails for folks. And these cocktails are sold at a discounted price. Um, and so, yeah, if you're somebody out there in the community that does service and you have a food handlers card, you should definitely come out. Even if not, you should come out because I've been playing some phenomenal music in there. And I'll talk a little bit about some of that phenomenal music a little bit later on on a topic that I want to speak to. But um, yeah, my next gig there is December 3rd and I'll be following up with more dates because I think you really should come out because it's just fucking a cool ass spot and the vibes are great and I play phenomenal music and you should just come. So, um, yeah, I think that's all that I got for the announcements today, folks, but a lot of them coming. Oh, lastly, one more, one more winter fun drive at street roots. Many of you know, street roots were a nonprofit organization slash publication. Um, and right now we are having our, our winter fun drive. So if you go out and you buy a newspaper, from one of our vendors here in the Portland streets and you open it up and start to read, you'll see on page five that there's an envelope, a donation envelope for our winter fun drive. Please support it. Our organization is doing great work. We want to continue to be able to do great work, but we need the help of the community to be able to do so. So um, definitely go. You can go online as well. News.streetroots.org um, to find out how to donate to the organization as well. So that's all I got. D-Boy, quick announcements. What you got for me? The album out, man, everywhere. We Talk just did a dope it. interview. We just did uh, Jamming 107.5, the breakout show last night. It was probably... 30, 20 to 30 minute segment, you would say? Yeah, something, something yeah, like that. Good content, though. We covered a lot of what we talk about on here, bringing the um, youth with developmental disabilities to the studio, normalizing them with podcast opportunities, songwriting and recording opportunities, the whole nine. So we was able to discuss that, my new album, Life Outside Social Media, and what it means a little more in depth than just the overall clickbait uh you know, just kind of the title is already interesting just off the bat, but we dove into that and the fact that it is now out on all platforms. Um, my formula for the last two projects have been to drop uh, hard copies, physical copies still, even in a... And, and I, I, I want to hold off on that yeah, because yeah. I want to dedicate a segment yeah, we are, to we this are. album. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do want to talk in, about that. Sure, I, I want to talk sure. about that even plan in the for dying sure. CD, uh, ages so uh the interview is real dope uh you can check some of that content out on my instagram d-b-o-i-l-t-d so we'll dive more into the Most album definitely. in a little bit Most definitely. Um, other than that man just we rocking for sure we, we in here for sure now let's get to the content and before we get to d-boy's album which we'll definitely get more in depth with um in the next segment this segment i do want to dedicate to a guy by the name of colin kaepernick Many of you know um, about the drama kind of surrounding Colin Kaepernick and his workout with the NFL that did not happen. That was supposed to take place this past Saturday in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, there are so many details surrounding this thing, and we're going to get into some of those details as we kind of speak through this thing. But to me, what's most important is for about three years now, we have speculated a lot in regards to Colin Kaepernick and his relationship with the NFL, Colin Kaepernick and his relationship with the NFL, 
Colin Kaepernick and his collusion grievance case that he had against the NFL that we all know has been settled. And Colin, Ka Colin Kaepernick and ultimately his silence since no longer being in the NFL. And something really, really important happened this past Saturday. And like I said, we'll dig through more of the details as we go through. But Colin Kaepernick finally spoke. He finally had some things to say. It's about a minute and a half what he had to say, about 90 seconds. But he finally said something. And he said some things that are really substantial. So what I want to do is I want to kind of play through this clip. And we'll talk through um, this 90-second clip here that I have. Um, that Colin Kaepernick did when he went and spoke to the media and addressed the folks that came to his individual workout that he pretty much ended up hosting personally because him and the NFL couldn't quite come to an agreement when it came to the details. Like eight, I heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some, like yeah, eighteen. It was, it was supposed like to be. 18, it was supposed to be twenty-four 20, teams or twenty-five teams. Or like but that. but yeah, it was twenty-four, twenty-five teams that was supposed to be there. But I want to get to that eventually as well because. I have a lot to say on this topic, but like I said, most importantly, Kaepernick spoke. So I'm going to start playing a clip and I'll probably pause between the clip because there are certain points that I want to make in regards to what Colin Kaepernick had to say this weekend. So check it out. Hey, let me start by saying I appreciate y'all coming out. That means a lot to me. Our biggest thing with everything today was making sure we had transparency in what went on. We weren't getting that elsewhere. So we came out here. It's important that y'all are here. Y'all been attacked for the last three years. Y'all continue to be attacked. We appreciate what y'all do. We appreciate you being here today. We appreciate the work you do for the people and telling the truth. That's what we want in everything. All right. I'm going to pause it there because that was the first genius act that I would say of Colin Kaepernick in discussing and addressing the media and some of the public that was invited out to come and see his workout that he had in Georgia this past weekend. He spoke to the importance of the media. And as I mentioned, we've been wanting Colin Kaepernick to speak for the last three years now. We've heard absolutely nothing from the guy. We've heard from Eric Reed. We were, we've heard from his girlfriend, Nessa, which also, by the way, is Ness why Nitty, huh? Ness Nitty, which also, by the way, is why I'm not surprised at the fact that Kaepernick, when he finally did speak, um, the first thing that he did speak to was the importance of the media because his wife is a very prominent name within the media. But for him to be able to speak to the importance and the power and the speaking truth to power, as I mentioned before that we do at street roots in regards to the media, that was very important, even more so important than him addressing himself or him addressing the sport of football, because this has been so much big news. We obviously see um, with some of the details that the NFL tried to kind of make Colin Kaepernick abide to for him to be able to have his official work out with them, that there is a sense of narrative controlling that is taking place here with this entire deal. And the NFL has been trying to control this particular narrative when it comes to Colin Kaepernick this entire time. But it has been the media that's been the most transparent in covering this thing. And in some ways that have been the most speculative in covering this thing because as i mentioned we haven't heard much from colin kaepernick 
Obviously, we don't hear much from the NFL either until it's time for them to put out a statement once every blue moon. It was really important for him to speak to that. I talked about it on the last episode. I think we talked about T-Pain and his tour or whatever and how he pretty much spoke to the power of the media and how there was such a negative connotation around uh, him not selling any tickets. But once the media caught wind of that and the media publicized that, what do you know? Now he's selling out tour dates city to city that he couldn't sell out at all and ultimately initially had to cancel the tour for. I just read a caption as we on this uh, on the podcast right now that said, they talk about you if you do good. They talk about you if you do bad. So, hey, just live your life. And I think that that's where Cap is at right now, where he knows that they do try to control the narrative and they especially want to talk about, as they are now, making him look bad and blowing up the fact that he changed with hours, I guess, before and all this kind of stuff. But I think he's living his life on his terms and Knowing the truth and knowing what he stand for, all that other stuff really don't matter. 100%. And it makes total sense. So, as I mentioned, I think that was very important. Obviously, um, we've heard Malcolm X is another person who's spoke to the power of the media and how important the media is and ultimately how the media can be essentially a decision maker in regards to the the minds of the masses i think the quote i got a quote here from malcolm x and it says the media is the most powerful entity on earth they have the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent and that's power because they control the minds of the masses and so it was very important for colin to acknowledge that especially because he knows that this audio he knows that this clipping is going to go out to the masses by way of the media which by the way the nfl did not want at the at the workout that they had planned for colin kaepernick didn't want the media there which is oddly strange to me, especially as somebody who grew up in the Bay Area and who lives in the Northwest, which I would say majority of our fan base is from the Bay Area or California as a whole, as well as obviously the city of Portland where we are now, which means Portlanders, when it comes to their allegiance to an NFL team, they're fans of the Seattle Seahawks, who is one of the most famous Seattle Seahawks players known to man who actually grew up in the Bay Area, which a lot of my Bay Area I'm just folks... I'm so I won't get fine. Thank you. I knew where you was going. Marshawn Lynch. He went through an entire press conference. He went through an entire presser having to say, I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just here so I don't get fined. But the NFL essentially forced him to have to go speak to the media during these Super Bowl press conferences. Or guess what? He would have gotten fined. Now, all of a sudden, when you want to control this narrative around Colin Kaepernick, who you already have a wishy-washy relationship with in the first place, all of a sudden you don't want the media there? It's just a little iffy to me, but uh, we'll carry on with this audio clip here. Three years? I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here and showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. We're out here. We're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team. I'll interview with any team at any time. I've been ready. I'm staying ready. And I'll continue to be ready. All right. I want to stop it there. I want to pause it one more time because 
Colin Kaepernick mentioned, you know, the 32 teams that are in the NFL. And I ultimately want to talk to the 24 teams that were reported to have shown up to Atlanta on behalf of the NFL to see Colin Kaepernick work out had he done the workout by way of the NFL. Um, because of certain contractual details and kind of a non-standard agreement that the NFL wanted Colin Kaepernick to abide by by saying, hey, if you do this tryout and what, regardless of the results of this workout, you will no longer be able to sue the NFL going forward for collusion, which Colin has obviously already done before. And the two parties ended up settling that if you do this workout, you got to sign this agreement that you won't sue us for collusion anymore. And you know what? I'm not quite mad at the NFL for that. I'm not mad at the NFL for that. I'm not either. But you know who I'm also not mad at for not agreeing to that? Colin Kaepernick. And here's why. You have some of these media members. You might have to sue him again for collusion. My point exactly. And here's why. To me, it's two plus two equals four here. If the NFL... I would say essentially overnight was able to put a workout together. We all found out about this workout last Tuesday. Colin Kaepernick found out about this workout at the same time that we, the public found out about this workout, which is iffy. But if the NFL from Tuesday to Saturday was able to get 24 teams to be able to come to watch Colin Colin Kaepernick work out to me, that is collusion. And I think a problem that we have going on right now is because that collusion, because if the NFL is able to say, here we go, let's do this workout for Colin Kaepernick. And we're going to have 24 out of 32 teams show up to a workout on a Saturday, which, by the way, is the biggest day for NFL scouts to be going out and scouting college football players because that's college football game day. But we're going to get you all to come here and and come see Colin Kaepernick workout to get that many teams to be able to come and watch him work out to me is collusion and collusion isn't always a negative thing i think we've made the word collusion negative because that's what colin kaepernick has sued the nfl for but in this particular case you had the nfl and these teams collude to be able to come together and try to make themselves look good by putting together a workout for colin kaepernick to work out in front of these teams and here's my problem with that Like I said, if you're able to get 24 teams on that short of notice to want to come to Atlanta to watch this guy work out, it also speaks to the fact that you probably colluded against him before. We don't 100% know the answer to that because there was a settlement. But if 24 teams in a span of 72 hours are willing to come out here and watch this guy perform and watch this guy work out, that tells me either one, they've been wanting to do this with this guy for quite some time now. And they couldn't because the NFL colluded against him being able to play in that particular league or two. These teams colluded together and they came together to try to create a narrative to spin it to where the NFL looked good because we're all banding together to try to give Colin Kaepernick a shot at playing football. Yeah, I think it's the latter that you said. I think they're trying to make it look good. That's my personal opinion, which I mean, I don't know if that's collusion still or it's what, a form of collusion. I think they're just trying to make it look good. It, it, it's it's definitely a form of collusion. Matter of fact, let me get that real fast. I'm going to get the actual definition of collusion right here because um, I think it's important for us to, to know. 
secret or illegal cooperation or conspiracy, especially in order to cheat or deceive others. This is why I said them coming together. It's not illegal, but I do think that it's deceiving that you can bring 24 teams on the day before National Football Sunday for the NFL and on the most important scout day for these scouts to go watch these college teams and these college players all over the nation and to be able to bring these folks together to deceive the public that the NFL is doing the right thing on behalf of Colin Kaepernick to me is a form of collusion. Facts. <laughs> to me. Facts. To me, that's a form yeah, of collusion. I feel like they set themselves up by even, a, even doing this because it, it just... It did show collusion even more, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> Just in a different form. But that's why that's why I'm saying, like, I know, and I'm we're probably gonna get more into the Stephen A. Smith conversation mm-hmm. and controversy, but that's the only part that I think Stephen A. Smith is right on is that I think he's still building a case. And he didn't say Stephen A didn't talk about a case, but I think it's more about Kaepernick's point than playing in the NFL. I still think Kaepernick's playing in the NFL is on the back burner. I think what he stands for is more important than all of that. And he's still using these platforms so calculated and smart. That's the part I will give him credit for. I think he's very calculated, very smart with how he's using these opportunities in these platforms. But I think this whole workout thing got people so caught up in it thinking like Cap finna get a job because we know he's deserving of still playing in the NFL. For sure. I think we all, as the people who supported Kaepernick, believe that. Yeah. Before the workout. Right, right. But I just think that his narrative really is not to play football again. Even though he's ready and willing. I don't think that's his priority. The reason why, okay, we can prioritize it, and I can agree with you there, but I think there's legitimate reason for why his priority would be his own personal agenda more so than the NFL's agenda. I agree. Obviously, one of them being that it was a settlement. Another thing that Stephen A. Smith talked about um, before the workout was if Colin Kaepernick comes back to the NFL, he's going to get a, a minimum, a veterans minimum deal, which I don't even, I think it's between like four, 400,000. He hit for more than that. He hit for by, more than that in the settlement. Mm-hmm. He hit and, for more than that on and, that day. Then, and, yeah. and by the way, and by the way, we're already more than halfway through the season. So that minimum deal is going to be prorated for the remainder of the season. And so I, the money isn't worth it anyway. I was just thinking on top of that, <laughs> If he, and God forbid that this was to happen, if he goes out there and performs poorly, now we forgot about everything that he stands for, and we're talking about how shitty he's playing right. in the NFL mm-hmm. after begging and getting a chance in the narratives about how he messed up football and all of these things. Right. So I think it's more risky at this point to go back and play. I think it was more so a platform to show He's still athletic. He still could compete. He still can throw a deep pass. But that doesn't show much to me as far as having an arm still. Yeah. That don't show too much when it comes to football and, and the articulate reading defenses. And, like, you know how it is, like they say, from for the beginning of time. Practice speed is different than game speed. He hasn't played 
a game in three years or more. I agree with you, but I think one thing that's in Colin Kaepernick's favor in that regard is what we're seeing right now today, especially when it comes to who are we talking about as our leading MVP candidates. We're talking about these dual threat quarterbacks, quarterbacks but the dual threat quarterbacks, I want to yeah. be clear, yeah. which that's what Jackson Colin Kaepernick is MVP this year. You got Lamar Jackson, dual it. threat quarterback. You got Russell Wilson, who's balling out this year, dual threat quarterback. You got Patrick Mahomes, who was balling out before the injury. MVP dual already. threat, dual uh, an MVP already. Dual threat quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Dual, I mean, uh, uh, not Lamar Jackson. Who did he just beat? Deshaun Watson. Dual threat quarterback. The the quarterbacks that are having the most success in the NFL today are black are and dual threat. He hasn't competed, and that's what I'm saying. But my point is, the reason why he's garnering the interest that he's guarding, unless there is collusion taking place, which I've already spoke to, is because of his ability to yeah. be a dual threat quarterback no, and how the, successful the dual threat quarterback. Had. But we, well, he still may have it, but the interest is there because we know that's what he is and that's what he's known, been known to be as a football player and as a quarterback. Sure, we don't know if he still has that ability, but to do get you, 24 teams that to come risky, out... though, if he does perform poorly and stinks it up? If he was to get the opportunity that it takes away from everything that he... To an extent, it doesn't erase, but it does. Well, but people are going to talk tarnish. about it. It would tarnish. Pe- it. People are going to talk about it. Do I think I, it would tarnish it? I think it, it? Would I think, it I think would it'll distract. That's a better word it for it. I think it would be ignorant to say it would tarnish it because the issues that Colin Kaepernick has stood for are far more important, far more prevalent, and far more in your face than kind of this sneaky bullshit that we've been seeing from the NFL in regards to having Colin Kaepernick return into would the league. And even in the case of, and even in the case of Colin Kaepernick not speaking much throughout these past three years. Um, like I said, as far, I, I, I wouldn't want to use the word priority because I think that Colin Kaepernick wants to play football really, really bad, but that doesn't mean you have to do some ignorant, stupid shit to go no, out and no. play football. I, I the NFL is really trying to bad. expose him as, is, as if he's a fucking clown, as far as I'm concerned, with the details they put out there, with what they've tried to offer him and being able to have these workouts. And I think Colin Kaepernick is just being smart rather than prioritizing one thing over the other. I think he badly wants to play football. I don't think that he'll play football again, though, because of this. But let's get back to the clip. People that came out here today to support, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. To the people that aren't here, I'm thinking of you. I appreciate you supporting from where you are. We'll continue to give you updates as we hear. We'll be waiting to hear from Roger Goodell, the NFL, the 32 teams. We'll let you know if we hear from them. Ball's in their court. We're ready to go. Now, this is the last part that I want to speak to in regards to that audio. And some of it in different audio, he kind of spoke um, to the owners. Obviously, he spoke there to Roger Goodell and the owners. And there was a comment that he made that we didn't hear just now. But he told the owners to stop running. And he essentially wasn't the most polite when it came to um, how he felt about the owners. Um, People obviously are also talking about him wearing this Kunta Kente shirt to his own individual workout. And you got whatever the hell you want to wear. You got Gucci making blackface and all this shit. Wear what you want to wear. You know what I mean? And, And I'm glad you said that because One thing that I hate is people are trying to say, why would you wear a Kunta Kente shirt and you're interviewing for a job? 
first off, let's yeah, not try to. No damn, this ain't the uh, this this ain't a big corporate five interview. Yeah, God this ain't it. this ain't a big five interview. Nor is this an interview for some corporate job where yeah, you gotta Intel. where you gotta wear it, right it where you gotta Intel. wear long sleeve shirts to cover up your tattoos where you this gotta do all NBA. that. This in is the, the NFL. NFL and everything else where guys MLB. express themselves in, in some yeah, insane ways. People wearing jewelry to the pitching and jewelry. You got these NFL players coming in all this stuff. You got NBA styling. This is not no corporate interview. This ain't that. This ain't that. And like I mentioned, tattoos is one of the main things because obviously he wore the shirt. Tattoos, you wear your tattoos on your body permanently. He doesn't wear that Kunta Kinte yeah, yeah, shirt permanently. He was showing he but, had a cutoff. So but it was, it was but what I'm saying is that's a very prominent and popular thing amongst NFL players and athletes in general is to be full on tatted up. They couldn't go to these corporate jobs and have these same opportunities with the tattoos and stuff that they wear. And I'm not knocking them for it, but I'm just speaking to kind of the corporate stigma as somebody that has worked in corporate. They can't go to these corporate jobs, tatted up all over their bodies, exposing these tattoos and expect that they probably probably will get a job. But they can do that in the NFL. So to say that Colin Kaepernick, who's going for an NFL job, can't wear a Kunta, which I want him to wear, uh, can't wear can't wear a Kunta Kente yeah, shirt yeah. and express himself. Yeah. To me, it's just bogus and it's petty, and mm-hmm. you're just looking for a reason to kind of get at Kaepernick. Yeah, so but ultimately, you got H&M talking about the last monkey or some shit, huh? <laughs> right? Yeah, okay, right, <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, is there anything else that you want to kind of speak to on the Kaepernick front before we start talking about your album? Because I, I said a Smith lot of is a clown. I'm yeah. not going to get too deep into that. I think he was wrong and far off and out of pocket for his take, but he is in the media. He does get paid a lot of money. Uh, ESPN's he is entertaining. Partner, ESPN is partnered with the NFL. <laughs> he is entertaining, and, and it's obviously doing numbers, and I don't think those numbers are hurting him. Uh, so, with that being said, I just think, like I said, I think, I look at Colin Kaepernick and I think the rest of the world looks at Colin Kaepernick now as I don't know if the word is a revolutionary or would you say that it falls shit, I would call him an icon well, at this I point. I mean, but of course an icon, but an I activist. Mean, an activist. An That's activist. the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I think he is a full fledged, full on activist. I mean, from the from the afro to everything he's standing for to the way he's utilizing his platforms. And so I think us as consumers, us as fans of football, we need to not get caught up so much in if he'll play in the NFL or if he deserves to play in the NFL and really try to dig deeper into what it is he really is standing for. You know, Because I think people don't necessarily full-fledged understand it. And they I don't, don't full-fledged understand. I don't think they understand. the. What I don't think they understand is the nature of the NFL and how janky the NFL really is. That's what I'm saying. He he damn sure should have been playing for these last three years. For sure. He was damn near an MVP candidate and went to the Super Bowl, if I don't he forget, did go to right? The Super Bowl, and like That's I said, what I mean. Yeah. I think he's exposing how janky the NFL really is. And instead of us getting caught up in if he should play or not, we need to really be focusing on things such as collusion and Really, it's it's right in our face, like yeah. you said. From the twenty four teams, I was supposed yeah. to show like that's like it's a lot of racist. teams. That's a lot <laughs> that's of a teams. Lot. That's majority it, in the NFL. That's more <laughs> teams than that really need a quarterback like, right now. Yeah. So that's what it's showing me. So yeah, that's it, what yeah. I'm saying. I'm kind of focused on a deeper part. Like 
this dude is blatantly being blackballed out the NFL and uh, it, it, amongst other things and what he's really standing for. for. Sure. So the racial injustice and the whole nine. So that's what my opinion is. Yeah, on. for sure. And I and I like I said to the Stephen A. point. I I would I wanted to speak more so to Kaepernick than Stephen A. But I will address Stephen A. Um, because first off, I think Stephen A. is very smart. I think Stephen A. is very talented, and he is actually somebody I look up to and I I kind of um, follow, especially when it comes to his work ethic. I mean, I do many, many things. I wear many, many hats. And a lot of my inspiration and motivation for the reason why I work as hard as I do is Stephen A. Smith. And I don't want to sit here and say that Stephen A. got paid what he got paid because of him being this spokesperson, essentially, for the NFL now. Do I think Stephen A. could be a little smarter and a little more calculated to know that, hey, man, you just got paid by a company that partners with the NFL. You got the highest pay in history of this company that's partnered with the NFL. And for you to turn around this quick and do what you're doing to Colin Kaepernick and say what you say in the co- about Colin Kaepernick is pretty suspicious. And it's something that I think he's smart enough to be aware of. But nonetheless, I don't want to take away from his talent. I don't want to take away from his ability to uh, to report, from his ability to articulate, and from his his flat out work ethic that has gotten him to the point of making the money that he's making. But he should be a little bit smarter in knowing that you just got the bag and you're looking like a real capitalists and not in a good way by turning against Kaepernick the way that you are fresh off of this mega contract that you just got from the world sports leader. So that's all I got to say to Stephen A. But next up, D-Boy, let's talk about your album a little bit. Keep talk it locked. About it. Talk about it. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. All right, so D-Boy, let's get into this Life Outside of Social Media album. And this will obviously be more so of you speaking about it. And I guess I wouldn't consider it in an interview format, but I will be asking a lot of questions as if we are in an interview. So, I mean, I guess first and foremost, I just want to flat out ask about the inspiration in regards to the title of the project, Life Outside of Social Media, because it's obviously catchy and I think it could be interpreted in so many different ways, but who better to know how you interpreted it as the creator of this project when it comes to why you chose that title? Um, Good question. It was really inspired by the misuse of social media that I see and the misconception or perception that um, I see on social media as well. Um, as I stated in the Jammin 107.5 interview uh, last night, I think I'm at a place in life where I've seen a lot, I've been through a lot, and I understand a lot. And one thing that I certainly feel like I understand is that social media is a great tool. It is a beneficial tool, and it has been life-changing in a positive way for so many people. I mean, people are going viral breaking through, making money, being able to promote, doing a bunch of things, uh, putting your material, your brand in front of hundreds to thousands to hundreds of thousands of people uh, in a matter of split seconds, minutes. Even and, millions you know for those who can crack that code. Exactly. And so um, with how powerful the tool is and how relevant it is today, I 
I personally felt like so many people, including myself, got caught up in social media and letting it dictate or kind of graph how how your success is, measure your success. I think people measure success off of likes. I think people go to great measures to get a lot of likes, followers, etc., and they sacrifice too much of themselves. And what I mean by that is integrity. I see people who are willing to uh, put evidence that would end up interrogating them and being used in a court of law to put them in jail. I know people personally have that have went through that. Uh, police and detectives going back and looking at people on Instagrams and seeing what kind of lifestyle they lived. Even down to colleges, I think you've been told that, and I know certainly I have that. Yeah. You know, coaches and different. It, it's a part of the recruiting process now, and all of that. So it's so many walks of life that I thought life outside social media referred to but i just wanted to be that constant reminder through the music that it's all good it's a great tool but just be smart and thoughtful before posting what you're going to post and be thoughtful and aware of who you're trying to impress or what you're trying to accomplish by that and remember the real realities of life is outside of social media your family your friends all of that kind of stuff the real genuine experiences that you are making and living in your everyday life. We see concerts. Everybody is just phone, phone, phone. Everybody wants a picture with this artist. Everybody wants to have their phone out and show that they're at the concert. But sometimes you just need to be in the present and in the moment and really enjoy the experience. Yeah, so for that's sure. That's really what it what triggered the title. That's interesting you say that because uh, I've been talking to a friend of mine who really is more like my sister. And she's, uh, I'm actually, she's, I'll be with her this week in Las Vegas. Uh, her name's Michaela. And I, when I last saw her it was over the summer, it was right after I had got back from Germany. And I was just telling her about how good of a time that I had in Berlin and how I got denied from going into one of the nightclubs in Berlin because the entire time that I stood in line and I was by myself, I was on the phone. And that's not the experience that the Berlin nightclubs want you to have. And so I learned my lesson, obviously, that time around. So the next nightclub that I ended up going to, when I actually, I went on a pub crawl. When I went on the pub crawl, I... I even posted on my Instagram story like, yeah, I'm having a good time, y'all, but I'm putting the phone down. I'm putting the phone away. And I literally had the best time See? of my life. Probably best time I, of your trip. Wouldn't say for your life. sure. No, no. I, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, as far as genuine fun, yeah. I've had I've had social media fun. By that, I mean I've had the type of fun where... I did the shit that looked really, really good for social media. Right. As far as the glitz and the glamour. But you as said far really as, being in the present. But really being present yourself. and in the moment and enjoying myself and being carefree seeing and not worried about seeing something for the first time, not worrying about social media. I hadn't had that kind of experience probably since I've been of age to be able to go to nightclubs. Right, um, right. And so that's the part that I'm more so speaking to, but I brought up Michaela because Michaela's actually, she's getting married pretty soon, and you know we, we've been talking about her wedding and whatnot, and when I mentioned that to her about how much fun 
the experience was not having a phone or using a phone or having access to a phone. We mentioned her possibly um, having a no phone policy at her wedding because I feel like weddings are another place. To, weddings are super fun. That would be and, very innovative. And, and, and well, and, well, you know who just did it? Who I read up on? She had like an article on her wedding that she she just got married like last weekend or two weeks ago was Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill had a no phone policy Especially at her wedding. Especially because you hire photographers, you hire right. video, you're going to get the content. <laughs> right. What's the point yeah. of hiring these people to give you the best content that you ultimately could have on your special day than people just posting left and right on shit quality phones, Androids, don't let me get started. Yeah, but 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 we were kind of talking about that concept and her doing that at her wedding. I don't know if Michaela's going to do it or not, but it's definitely something that she she's toying with and that she's thinking about. And I'm kind of trying to encourage her to do it because I know how much fun that experience was yeah. not having a cell phone yep. within the last few months. And I guarantee you, majority of people out there do not remember what it's like to mm-hmm. have that much fun without using a cell phone yep. within the last few in months. A, in a similar situation, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I went camping over the summer at yep. Trillium Lake on Mount Hood. And I was telling you, man, I'm looking forward to not having no service. That's what I remember camping to be. And I've only been twice in my life. Right. But camping is usually out the way somewhere secluded where you don't have, you know, much, if any, service. I was mad because when I read up on where we was going camping, one of the highlights in it was a cell phone service there. And so I was kind of disappointed in that. But even still, because I was on the lake, in the water, fishing, doing all these outdoor activities, I really wasn't in my phone that much either. And once again, I had some of the best times in memory of, for sure, my recent past. I'm not sure about the best time of my life, but it was a good-ass time. You feel me? And so... That was really what it stemmed off of, you know what I mean, to say the least. Yeah, it, for it sure, for sure. Now, now I, I want to talk to, you mentioned it earlier, and, I, and the reason I kind of tried to cut you off there because I wanted to speak to this. Um, so you released the album in August. You, you did hard copies around your birthday um, where you were selling hard copies of the CD. And now we are here in November, and you're finally releasing. I don't even want to say finally because... November is not that far removed from August, but because life moves so fast, we live in this internet and this streaming platform right, era and, right. and this, and this, and we have this constant need for content and the turnover is so fast and so Real on fast. demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love to catch myself when I say that. Now you waited all the way until November because it really ain't that far away from August. But but yeah. but in music time. It but in like music forever. time and internet time <laughs> and content time and on demand time, yeah. it seems like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of talk to the importance of because at the end of the day, DSPs are still internet tools. It's not social media necessarily, but. It's internet tools that ultimately get promoted most on social media. Kind of speak to the value of you releasing the project by by way of hard copies a couple months before you released it on these DSPs for ultimately the masses to try and get to and receive through Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, YouTube, you name it. Well, for me, I kind of like it. And sometimes I think when you're an independent artist, even shit, labels, but especially me as an independent artist, as you know, I put a lot of time and effort and thought into pretty much everything I do when it comes to music. Even still, with that being said, sometimes you just got to ride 
what feels right and learn as you go for real. And I think that's with anything, even professionals in basketball, football, whatever. They get there and they have talent and they have the tools that it takes, but they still have to learn things on the fly, whether it's a new workout or a new drill or whatever the case may be. So with my first album, I dropped the hard copies at the same time that I dropped everything on, you know, with the retails online and everything like DSPs. that. Yeah. And uh, that did really well. I sold out of my allotted amount of CDs, hard copies that I wanted to. And so it kind of triggered a light bulb in my head where in a digital world, a digital streaming music world, the first project was the listening party in 2017 that had some good features, the E40 feature and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, I, I felt that the CDs, the hard copies were selling and having success because of the cult following that I had. And what I mean by the cult following is that even though to the masses, it might not have seemed like a lot of people follow or like what's going on, but it's the fact that, an example, my first hard copy sold for $100 by itself. That's some Nipsey Hustle type yeah. stuff we're talking about. The first, I could pull up the cash app right now. I still have it to this day. Ryan Vargas bought my album for $100. That paid for already the rest of the hard copies that I had pressed up. <laughs> yeah. I was already in profit by then. Yeah, you feel yeah, yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what I started realizing is that even in a day and age where people are streaming, streaming, when people really like you and support you, they still want something tangible. And so I kept getting a, can I get a hard copy signed? I want you to sign a hard copy, send it to me. People like receiving packages in the mail. People like exclusive stuff. So the the fact that I only had a couple hundred left, I mean, I was selling them for $10. Like I said, some people paid 100, some people paid 10, some people paid 15. Others said, I want a shirt and a CD and we bundled them for 20 or 25. So it just gave me that, ledger, that leverage to know that I can move product streaming is something that's available to so many people in empire which is the label that distributes all my music online they posted something not too long ago and it was an interesting stat i believe the number was 1500 but they said something along the lines of uh support your artists buy their merchandise because that's where the money comes from it takes approximately 1500 to 2,500 streams to equal one t-shirt sale worth of profit. So when you do the math on that, it's like, that's where the money is at for one. And so with this project, kind of redoing it, but dropping solely the physical thing first, I did a release party, which we did in the Bay, where that's the bulk of my fan base. And then, as you said, I didn't plan on dropping the... DSP to the DSPs in November, so far away from August in the music world. But it's like dropping my project twice now. Some people, the cult following, they, they bought the people who I expected to buy and more, bought the physical copies. So I was able to get that response and that reaction to what people liked, what people felt. And now, three months later, it's like new life again. Yeah. We're doing radio interviews, going on radio runs. We're uh, doing shows. We're, we're, we're setting up merch booths. And now it's available online. So the people who didn't purchase the hard copies, they had nowhere else to get this content. Right. So now I'm hearing, oh, check my phone, slap. 
oh, this is crazy. Oh, this slaps. So it's like dropping my project twice in a time where I'm only dropping about one full-length project a year. So it's giving me more life with that. But going forward, I definitely will be dropping more. You you just mentioned uh, some of those, I guess, Check My Phone, which is a really, really good song, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you. Um, but what, what songs off of the album would you say is receiving the most feedback, is receiving the most love that people should go check out right away? Well, I got to say that I dropped the right singles because those are the ones that still at the forefront of the response. I'm getting a lot of response from promo, which DJ A1 is playing in the club out here in which I'm performing now in my show set. Um, in addition to promo, we got Check My Phone, which has been making the most noise online. I'll give you that right now. Shout out to Dante Thomas for a oh, fire he feature. Gassed. He, he gassed. gassed on that. <laughs> so that's a record that's really been collectively. And then like that, I think that's my most seasoned, well put together song on the project the next level kind of song that you was talking about where I think it can work in a lot of different markets in a lot of different ways. So like that promo and check my phone are the standouts amongst a few others. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to hear. Um, speak to kind of putting the project together and how long of a process that it was stressful, especially speaking to a topic like social media, where usually mm -hmm. you can crank out party music and fun music and not mm -hmm. have to get too in-depth and too intense. You just get a good beat, a good vibe, a good rhythm, and Facts. people will flow with it. But um, you had to get pretty substantial with this project, speaking to what you were speaking right, to. Right. Um, tell me about the stressful portion of it. Um, the stressful portion was really more the back and forth to L.A. and Portland. That's really what the stressful part. This was the first album where I recorded some of the project like in Portland at a studio, but then got it mixed somewhere else. Usually I'm dealing with the same engineer. I'm laying the tracks right there at that studio where the engineer is working. So translating or transporting the files, even though the internet makes it easy, we got WeTransfer and Transfer Big Files and all of these platforms, but having to meticulously bounce out each track that I recorded, each vocal track that I recorded in Portland and sending it to the engineer and getting it placed so that we can mix and work on these records and add ad-libs and different little things. Uh, I think definitely I didn't take into consideration how many trips I would have to take back and forth, which that obviously slowed up the process. And then it was my first process working with, with, with new people from mixing engineers to the mastering engineer. Um, when I was working on the Leo EP in the summer of last year, I did one record with the engineer that I'm currently working with, Dan, out of Long Beach, and he liked it. We vibed good, and so we end up doing this whole album together. And uh, just the process of having to go out there so much, that took a long time. Then, once we finally got the mixes together, it come time for mastering. And we send one track out to get mastered. We like it. We send another track out to get mastered. We had to get that revamped two and three times. And so people don't understand the meticulous part of when you don't get it right the first time. It could take two and three weeks to follow up and for that engineer to get back to, you know, fixing what you need done and the adjustments to be made. So it was just a lot longer than I expected to, but I think it's still right on time. We got the holidays coming up now. We have a solid new project to close out the year and to start next year off in 2020, which I plan on doing my first full tour that I'm headlining. And so, you know, even though it's stressful and it's hectic, like I said, 
when you just go on with the flow, sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. And that's what this looks like it's tending to be. For sure. Do you think that because, like I said, speaking back to the substance of the album, um, do you think that the music had to be perfectly mixed and mastered because of the substance? Or do you think had you made... Like I said, maybe party music For or fun sure. type music. For sure. That sh that that process that portion of the process would not have been as stressful. For sure. So that, so I'm a firm a believer there. in mix and master and period on whatever you do. It just enhances the record. It makes it ready for radio opportunities, for club opportunities, etc. But I do agree. When I'm doing them party songs and them West Coast banging beats, sometimes the beat does enough for you. Yeah. Where as long as you just got a respectable flow and throw a couple punchlines out there, it's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. But when you have more melodical songs, more content-driven songs where they really have to hear what you're saying and where they really need to take in this content, yes, definitely, I had to be a little bit more precise on the mix and mastering. And then, like I said, just being in L.A., I lived out there, obviously, and I know these big studios and these mixes and these equipment and these opportunities that are provided... They're not putting your song on the Fast and Furious soundtrack if it's not mixed and mastered the correct way. They're not putting you on these playlists for Adidas and Dutch Bros if it's not mixed and mastered the right way. So Blazer it's, games, right? All, that. all of that. It's levels. Like DJ OG One gave me some feedback, and even with the Rip City version for 2020, we had to pull the whistle down a little bit and yeah. make the bass hit harder in the stadium. So these things really matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? As the as the career takes off and gets more in depth and so yeah man we, we put a lot of time and effort into it it's sounding good and people are receiving it well so i'm happy with it for sure for sure now I, i'm gonna I'm a wrap it up here for this particular segment because i want people to actually go dig into the actual content and really hear what you had to say and for them to be able to give you their uh, their feedback as well on it so Tell them where to find the project, how to find the project, how to reach out to you once they listen to the project so that you can, you know, uh, take in what they have to say about it. As mentioned earlier, my Instagram is D-B-O-I-L-T-D, like living the dream, D-B-O-I-L-T-D. And that's where you can reach me for feedback, whether it's on a comment, whether it's a DM, whatever the case may be. But as far as listening to the album, it's called Life Outside Social Media. And it's available everywhere. Anywhere you listen to music, whether that be YouTube, Pandora, Tidal, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play for the Android users, etc., etc. So please go check that out. Feedback is always appreciated. Let me know what you like. Let me know what could be better. And we're just going to keep growing and giving y'all what y'all want. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Well, next up, we're going to wrap it up with our Take an L segment. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. Last segment of the day, last segment of the day. D-Boy, you want to get started with this taking L's? You want me to yeah, get started? I'm How you want to start it? Because mine is vulgar, <laughs> what I got to say real quick. All right. So I'm going to say pardon my French already. And I'm going to get straight to the point. Philip fucking Rivers, man. We just talked about him a couple weeks ago, and we gave him some credit. We were saying how he's an elite quarterback. I don't I know if you, you said, said elite. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I you might you not said have said elite, but you did say he's a good quarterback. Yeah, the, sure. the dice haven't always rolled his way. We said he had some bad luck, but he still puts up numbers. I think that's what we both agree. 
He puts up numbers. Well, the numbers he put up tonight are terrible. Four interceptions. Four interceptions in one game. And to, to, to go a step further, he still only lost by one touchdown. But now let me take it a step even further than that. How about this, Cuddy? Seven interceptions in the last two games. It's Ugh. not good. He damn near averaging four uh, interceptions in the last two games. He had three against the Raiders and then four tonight versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're not respectable interceptions, for lack of a better term. They are very poor, very uncharacteristic, I guess you would say. But it's just not, it's not been a good look, man. Four interceptions, you lose by a touchdown. You are actually in the, in the red zone on a game-winning drive when you threw your last pick tonight, and it was a terrible one. So, Phillip Rivers, I just had to come back and revisit because we gave you some credit a little while back, man, and and I'm a fan of yours or had been a fan of yours in the past. I've never been a fan you of me? yours, Phillip Rivers. Oh, yeah, I've always respected your game and thought that you had. I wouldn't say a fan. I've You're always a charger. Had, I've never yeah, been a I've fan all, of you, Yeah, Phillip I've respected Rivers. your game. Raider Nation. But, but God damn it, <laughs> seven interceptions in two games is unacceptable for I, any veteran quarterback. I, I will say this. You said he had four interceptions tonight. And three versus we, the Raiders. We could have used a, a win from the Chargers over the Chiefs tonight because we, were, we both had a six and four record. Now the Chiefs are seven and four. We're still at six and four, and, but... Had that, they beat the Chiefs, we would have been first place in our division. That's a very right winnable now. game if you throw yeah. four picks and still lose by a tug, sure. right? But even more so, it's funny that I had no idea you were going to say that Philip Rivers um, was the guy you had taken else today. Right, but right. I just was on Twitter not too long ago, and I just seen a tweet about Philip Rivers, and the tweet says Philip Rivers has sixty-one losses by when, seven points by huh? seven when behind seven points or less. The most. Of any player in, in the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl era. era. That's nuts. That too. That's and, nuts. And, and that tells me, like, he's right on the cusp of being I, the real but deal. But that's what I meant when I was saying, like, he he's seemed like cusp. he's had more of the bad luck than anybody. Because I've watched him put up 400 yards yeah. passing with no interceptions For and sure. lose. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it'd be a game-winning drive where he barely comes short or the kicker missed the field it's yeah. been some unlucky drops but at some point you got to take accountability and For like sure. i said seven interceptions in two games is showing that you have a lot to do with the problem right now and you need to make some adjustments because in my opinion that is uncharacteristic of you but i have even in my lifetime watched that man lose a lot of games within a touchdown or in that last drive these just so happen to be at the cost of him throwing picks yeah for sure um, my L is actually, I wanted to talk about this last week, but we obviously didn't get the chance to, but I still want to speak to this particular topic because it's just been, it's just been in my spirit, even since before this event, this actual event that I'm getting ready to speak to took place. Um, just because, you know, as I mentioned, I've been DJing at this new bar and, um, being that I'm DJing at this new upscale bar, usually when I DJ, I'm a hip hop head. I'm usually DJing hip hop events or I'm doing like karaoke, which is KJN, which is a whole different thing. But karaoke also allows me to kind of dig into different genres of music that I usually wouldn't indulge in if it was just on my own merit. But because I'm doing karaoke for the people, right. I have to indulge in this particular music. Now, in the case of, like I mentioned, this new export, this bar that I've been DJing at as of late, um, they basically kind of made me come in and having to play more so like house music. 
Now, I'll be honest with you. For me, I feel like I'm a little bit more soulful than just playing house music. So I really kind of got in my bag and start deep d digging deeper into music that may have had kind of that house and electronic element, right. but also still has some soul to it, still has some rhythm to it, and still um, had some of my personal kind of touch and feel and vibe to the music that I'm spinning. I don't like to spin music that I can't vibe to that. I can't, you know, uh, uh, get a good feel with just for the sake of trying to appease to a crowd, because I feel like I'm talented enough at being able to read a crowd to where I can put my vibe and my twist to a thing and it'll enhance a party environment, a club right, environment, right. a bar and lounge environment, you name it. But what I want to speak to is to the Drake supporters. Um, I don't know if many of you heard, Tyler um, but, but, a, but a couple of a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weekends ago, Tyler Tyler the Creator he uh, he has a festival. He has an annual festival that he does each year, and he is called Camp Flog Naw, and he essentially had a dynamite lineup. He had the internet, which is one of my favorite groups, um, who also came from uh, Tyler and the create Tyler, the creator's crew. Um, as far as odd future is concerned, he had the baby, he had a bunch of different artists, a bunch of hot artists. It was a great, great festival. He does it every year. It sells out. It goes big, but coming into the festival, he said that he was going to have a special guest performer and basically, in the name of that special guest performer on what it was that he was promoting. It was just question marks. Well, many of the folks that came to the festival and many of just the general public, especially those that are fans of Tyler, of the, of Tyler, the creator, who by the way, has a whole lot of fans. Um, they created this narrative essentially that the special guest artist would be Frank Ocean. Um, Frank Ocean, obviously great singer, great recording artist, somebody who a lot of people have said has been in hiding, hasn't released much music in a while, hasn't really done any shows. We just haven't seen Frank Ocean in a really long time. So it kind of this cultish narrative was created that Frank Ocean would be the special guest at mm -hmm. Camp Flog Naw. Um, come to find out the, 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 the festival comes around and the special guest was Drake. Um, fans think it's a good substitute. You right? would think it's you a great fucking a, substitute yeah, that it was maybe Drake. An upgrade. Uh, exactly. You mm -hmm. would think that it's a great substitute and that it's a great upgrade because it is Drake, but Drake comes out and he gets booed essentially by the fans to the point where he asks the fans while he's on stage, like, do y'all want me to keep going or not? Some fans continued to boot to continue to boom. He thanked them. He dropped the mic and he left off and didn't finish his set at that particular performance. Obviously, because as you mentioned, it was Drake. A lot of people came to Drake's defense. He kept a lot it classy, of people. Though. He did keep it classy, but a lot of people came to his defense, including Tyler the Creator. By the way, I want to make sure that I point that out. Yeah. Um, a lot of people um, spoke on Drake's behalf, defending Drake, basically calling that fan base ungrateful. Um, and because of Drake's greatness, that's totally understandable why people would feel that way. Hell, I'm a huge Drake fan myself, so I would have fucking been elated to watch Drake be the special guest at this particular performance, but obviously I wasn't there to do so. Elated a strong word, P. You think you would have been elated? Fuck to... yeah. <laughs> all right, all Drake, right. I, and I've seen Drake, Drake before, before and, and was too. and was 
highly impressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was highly impressed. Drake's not somebody you'll see much. He doesn't perform too much. He's not an artist that has to necessarily tour a lot because his music is so big and so successful. Yeah. So Everything he's exclusive. He drops, Everything he drops go is gonna chart. He doesn't have to tour. He doesn't have to work as hard in the music industry as most do to obviously um, keep their income generating at a high level because his music has kind of surpassed that his just Drake as a person, as an artist, an actor, an entity has surpassed having to overwork himself essentially in the music industry. Um, but the reason why I, I wanted to give the Drake supporters an L and obviously not Drake the L because I want to speak more to the influence of Odd Future. For those who don't know who Odd Future is, or was, I should say, at this particular point, Odd Future was Tyler, the creator's label, when he first got into the music game. And he had artists such as Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean was a part of Odd Future. Um, Sid from the internet, who I said, one of my favorite groups, one of my favorite bands right now, and definitely a band that I play on that rooftop. And their music works really well. Sid was the engineer of Odd Future. Um, you had Earl Sweatshirt was a part of Odd Future. You had uh, Casey Veggies, Dom, uh, Domo Genesis was a part of Odd Future. A lot of artists who are having a lot of success independently now because they've all kind of dispersed from that group and are all doing their own thing and having success in doing so. A lot of artists came from this Odd Future group and have become just big shit. But with Frank Ocean, obviously... He fought a lot of social stigmas, especially in regard to the gay community. It was big news when he came out. And I think a lot of those Odd Future folks fought against hip-hop stigmas that were essentially negative stigmas. Um, hip-hop, hip the hip-hop community, hip-hop culture can be very homophobic. So what Frank Ocean did when he came out at the time... Um, was definitely a big deal. Sid, as I mentioned from the internet, lead singer of the internet, uh, she's one of those who who makes music about you know dating women and loving women and really kind of coming into herself. Tyler the Creator is very unique in his own right and kind of he 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 considers himself to be somebody growing up who wasn't black enough to be a hip hop artist, but wasn't white enough to be able to fit in with these white crowds. So he had to deal with the stigma of being kind of that in between loner type of a guy because he was too weird for hip hop, but he was too black for the white community. Um, so it, it, it's just, it's a lot of social stigma surrounding odd future that I think they've kind of breaking these particular stigmas on, especially within the hip hop community, not saying that some of these stigmas don't still exist in certain areas because the hip hop community is such a large one, but they've shown light to these particular issues and these particular topics. And now hip hop is definitely a lot more reserved when it comes to speaking out against these negative stigmas, especially when it comes to within their music, but also when they do interviews and things of that sort. So ultimately what I wanted to do was, and I'm not the hugest odd future fan. I'm definitely not the hugest Tyler, the creator fan, mm -mm. but what I did want to speak to is is the influence and the impact that Odd Future has had on hip hop and that that needs to be recognized. You even look a few months back uh, and we talked about it here on the podcast. 
when Tyler, the creator, dropped his album the same day as DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled had all the hottest artists on his album. He had Cardi B, Chris Brown, um, God Bless the Dead. He had Nipsey Hussle. Um, it was one of the first songs and videos right after Nipsey Hussle's passing when obviously Nipsey Hussle's name was circulating in a major way, and rightfully so. Um, and, and Khaled released the music video and the record of Nipsey Hussle. He had everything that you could possibly have to think that he would have been a lot to have the number one album in hip hop. But because he released on the same date as Tyler, the creator, who, like I said, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of, but I'll give homage where homage is due. Mm -hmm. Tyler, the creator dropped on the same day and ended up and with no features, by the way, and ended up having the number one album in the country. And, 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 and and DJ Khaled was pissed off about it. He hated it on it. He threw shade. He was pissed off about it. Now we're seeing Drake get booed. I don't, think under any other circumstances Drake would have gotten booed had it not been for Frank Ocean who is also a member who came from that Odd Future crew. So ultimately, I just want to speak to the impact and the influence of Odd Future and I'm not fanning out when I'm doing this but um, I think it needs to be recognized and we don't necessarily recognize it because of the stigmas that they fought and because it could be uncomfortable supporting this particular group based on the stigmas that they've gone up against and fought against within the realm of hip hop that hasn't been necessarily accepted. And they've kind of created it to where this is being accepted. So Ultimately, I just want the Drake supporters. I don't blame you for uh, supporting Drake and saying that he shouldn't have been booed. I damn sure wouldn't have booed him had I been at the festival. And I, like I said, I would have been elated to see the guy because I am I'm a lot more of a fan of Drake than I am of anybody in Odd Future. Put it that way. Right. But right. I do think that we need to take a step back and really look at the impact that that Odd Future group has had within hip hop because. It's one that's really like no other that I've ever seen within the most popular genre of music in the world today. Like I've literally never seen a cult following like the one that Odd Future has been able to garner, especially being that they're no longer a group anymore and they've all been able to go and And do their individual thing and have the independent success that they're having right now. So just something that I wanted folks to take a look at. But um, real quick, D-Boy, we got to talk about it because we're here in Portland and you got the official Rip City 2020 Blazer song. We they got Carmelo right in the now. city. But but yeah, they do suck right now, suck but right now. big news, national news, breaking news. Carmelo is now here. He hasn't played a game yet. I think he'll play tomorrow. Um, but I just want to get a quick hot reaction before we wrap it up on what you think about Melo I being in town. I love that Carmelo is in town. I love everything that brings more light and more emphasis to Portland. Yeah, yeah we, it, we're here it, right it now. Elevates the, it it ele- elevates the profile of the city. But, but sure. you know one thing Melo don't got? <laughs> what? Defense. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what been uh, out of there right now for the Blazers. So, uh, <laughs> not sure, you know, uh, uh, we got some scoring. He's going to bring some more scoring for sure. But he's not bringing defense to Rip City. No, he's and not. So, uh, I'm anxious to see. I'm definitely happy about it. I'm a Melo fan. I've Felt like I grew up on Melo, watching him and LeBron enter the league For and sure. do what they do. Even from high school, we had the Oak Hill jerseys and the LeBron Irish jerseys. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like, you know, I came up on Melo. He's a big name. He's a, a Hall of Famer for sure. So I think 
him coming to Portland, um, I seen something that Scottie Pippen came to the Blazers late in his career too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and you know, made Scottie his Scottie Pippen played defense. Yeah, though. Exa- I'm just saying, yeah. But yeah, for sure, he sure <laughs> hell did. Speaking of defense, but yeah, he Scottie came Pippen in his later post prime. He came to the Blazers. Yeah, and still, he did. Made his impact and still loved by fans. And as you see, I posted with Scottie Pippen. He still come to the Blazers games and show love. So uh, I'm excited for Melo to be here. I'm excited for Melo to have another chance being in yeah. the NBA, period. But uh, do, does he help change this thing around for the Blazers? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and I, I, I personally have been very critical of Melo in the past. Not because I didn't want Melo to get another chance at playing basketball, but I just didn't see the urgency for the GMs and for these teams to want to hire Melo to come back and play the sport of basketball. Never did I say Melo didn't deserve to be in the league. Never did I say Melo um, didn't have enough juice left in him to be in the league. I just personally feel like Melo has he, – he's – kind of washed. And I know LeBron is calling himself a wash king today, but LeBron and Melo are not in the same class when it comes to that. LeBron has never proven himself to be washed. I think he just feel, I I think LeBron calling himself a wash king is just giving him a chip on his shoulder to have success this year because last year was his first year in nine years, not going to the NBA finals. So I think for him, it's more so kind of internal and, uh, you know, it, it really kind of motivates him on an internal level rather than it is the general public Facts. thinking that LeBron is truly washed. Melo, I've been one to say that I think it's tr- he's truly washed and it's truly Damn. over for Melo. And I, that's not to say he can't still play in the league. Right. I just wasn't urgent to see Melo come back to play basketball again. I'm Like you said, I'm happy he elevates the profile of the city. I'm not mad that he's here. I really kind of don't care too much outside of the fact that he elevates the profile of the city, but I don't see Melo being a make or break guy Does for the Blazers. Does he make the Blazers better? I don't see it. I think who makes the the Blazers better is Yusuf Nurkic. I think who makes the Blazers better is, is Zach Collins. Two guys. Collins, obviously, a good defender, good shot blocker. Nurkic is a big body who takes up a lot of space in the paint, who can who who rebounds it well, which is another kind of defensive element. Those are guys that I really think actually make the Blazers better. I think Melo just puts more of a spotlight on the Blazers. And that doesn't mean that the Blazers can't have success with Melo here. That's not what I'm saying. But I wouldn't probably think that I would credit Melo for that success if it does indeed happen. I think the success for this team to kind of be, I guess, for them to generate success, essentially, I don't think Melo is the answer. I think Damon CJ is still the answer for this team to be able to generate success. They just got to get hot and just outscore teams left and right every night, which is not the easiest task to do and hasn't been so far early on in this season. But that's ultimately what's going to have to happen. Go stream Rip City by D-Boy LTD on all platforms. Talk about it. Talk about it. All righty, man. Well, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. D-Boy, tell them where to find you, all that good stuff. Hey, I told y'all three times. If you don't know by now, you ain't going to know. D-B-O-I-L-T-D. Not a Y. I'm D-Boy with an I. D-Boy LTD. Life Outside Social Media is out. Go stream it. Go slap it. Tap in with me for a hard copy signed if you want one of them. And uh, let's just keep winning. Hello. And just search my name, Devon Pouncey, or you can search... Pounce underscore station on Twitter and Instagram. Um, as I say all the time, give it your all in whatever it is that you do. And we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs>